I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a holistic look at music's effect on our everyday lives. Today is April 20th, and this week, April 22nd, we celebrate Earth Day. My guest today has traveled to Iceland, to the largest glacier in Europe, and used the various sounds of the glacier to compose a musical tribute to them. Charles Van Kirk is a graduate of Berklee College of Music. He's joining me today through the wonders of technology from Maine, where he is an audio engineer and composer. Charles' award-winning work has been featured on numerous media outlets, including ABC and WNYC, and has been used in advertising content produced for National Geographic, the United Nations, Google, and Nike, among others. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Charles. Thanks so much, Mindy, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Charles, I love the opening sentence on your website's about page. It says, my job is to tell stories with sound. (laughs) Can you elaborate on that description a little bit and then explain how you ended up telling the story of glaciers through their sounds and music? Yeah, absolutely. So to start with the the first line in the bio, uh, there's a concept in the world of wine and of food called terroir, um, terroir meaning land or, or earth. And the idea is that a, a great winemaker will make a wine that reflects the terroir of the grapes, that reflects the, mm-hmm. the soil and the climate and the place and the land. And when you taste the, the, the fermented grape juice, you will, you will receive some, some essence of that, of that terroir. So ah. I'm trying to do something similar with with sound and with music to to make music and to write songs with a sense of place. Mm. And of course that can be achieved uh through lyric writing and through through storytelling with with words, but over the 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 years I've been spending more time trying to do that with the actual sounds themselves, the 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 sounds that make up the instruments of the track or interact with traditional instruments in the track and this trip to Iceland that I I took in January of 2020 uh, before the world shut down uh, was a a pretty clear example of of this this concept I wanted to to go to Iceland and record the sounds of glaciers specifically the Vatnajökull glacier in southern Iceland and to make a piece of music using exclusively those sounds and and to really try and tell tell a story and and make a make a sonic tribute to the ice mm. if you will and i understand that this was sort of generated with some inspiration courtesy of your mother is that right <laughs> <laughs> you heard right yes uh yeah this this project actually began with my mom sending me a Facebook message, believe it or not, and the <laughs> the message linked to a video of some folks in Siberia playing these big sheets of ice with their hands and with mallets and other other implements. And these ice sheets had gorgeous tones, uh, almost like marimba esque tones, but with a with a, a a unique timbre. And I've been doing a lot of work with a company called Splice, which is a a, a wonderful audio company based in New York City. And I proposed to them that we record the sounds of ice somewhere in the world uh, and use the project as a vehicle to, to talk about climate change, mm-hmm. but with regard specifically to, to glaciers. So 
we started discussing this project together, myself and a collaborator at Splice called Josh Robertson. And was and this just going to be sort of a pro bono type of a project? No, actually, um, it's very fortunate that Splice is a viable business. They're doing very well, as far as I understand, and they they support projects like this. And they've they've been supporting more and more projects that are exploratory in nature. They they have a lot of um, a lot of great sounds on their website, samples and loops that are used by composers and producers um, in the worlds of of you know, pop and hip hop and even composing for visual media and such. So they have a lot of different sounds on their site, but they've been branching out more in terms of the, the, the types of sounds that they're gathering and the, the kinds of stories that they're, they're trying to tell around sampling and sample gathering. So I proposed this as a field recording centric project for them. Okay. And was the goal and the impetus and motivation for doing the project this tribute to glaciers or was it tied in with a project with say national geographic or anything like that yeah so the it's what started first as just a sonic curiosity with me watching this video of mm-hmm. the the siberian residents playing these, uh-huh. these sheets of ice morphed pretty quickly into uh, the proposal that i wrote for splice which was suggesting that we find a glacier somewhere in the world in 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 Iceland or or otherwise and talk about how climate change is is affecting these glaciers and how quickly they're receding and of course how the how that is affecting geographically susceptible communities around the world and also marine life in terms of the salinity levels of the oceans as mm-hmm. more fresh water melts into the oceans mm-hmm. so once i sat down to really think about it the it, things spiraled and and I I I proposed this as the the main intention of it. Okay. So once the project was set, tell us about the experience. You had professional guides who are taking you through this glacier, right? We did. We had uh, a wonderful guide named Odur, uh O D D U R is uh, the spelling of his name. Uh he and his partner have a company called Melraki Adventures uh, based near the the Vatniokul glacier so if anyone mm-hmm. listening wants to visit this glacier you should you should reach out to to them uh, they're wonderful so Odur uh, took us up onto one of the outlets of the glacier um, it was just my collaborator Josh and I and one other couple on this on this trip and we put the crampons on and we went on about a 10 kilometer hike or so mm-hmm. up onto the face of, of, of the ice and went into a couple of different ice caves and did some singing in, in one of them. Um, but yeah, that it was very important to have, to have guides and to, to undertake this safely because Otur would, uh, would stop us at various points, for example, through our hike and point to a little channel, a little dip in the ice, let's say just a, a foot or so below where we were walking after having given us an instruction to, you know, follow me strictly, follow my exact mm-hmm. footsteps through this passage, mm-hmm. he said, you know, what do you think is in this in this channel? And it didn't really look like much of anything, just a, a slight depression. And he stuck his ski pole down and it just disappeared like a five foot long ski pole. And there was oh. just a, a, a crevasse or a, a glacial river that was running right below us that we couldn't hear or oh, and wow. it was just covered slightly by snow. So it's... Uh, not a safe place to go strolling about by by yourself, but a very magical environment with the right guidance. Mm. 
So tell us about some of the sounds you did hear. You said you didn't hear that river that was running right under there, huh? Right. Yeah, there was a pretty significant amount of water flowing in that in that one spot that we we couldn't hear, um, but we could see once he once he punctured the surface. So there were so many sounds that we captured. I mean, the one of the most dramatic things to happen was that a large serac or a, a, an enormous piece of an ice cliff cleaved off of the side of of this cliff while we were hiking uh. and thundered through the valley. Oh wow! Yeah, it was. It was tremendous. It sounded literally thunderous, and uh, I was rolling the entire day. I was walking, you know. With I was my, just going to ask: Did you have like the microphones going the whole time, just in case something unexpected happened like that? I did. I I did. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. It was a, yeah, it was a lot of material to to go through after the fact. There's I'm there's sure. hours of just footsteps of crampons on on ice and and snowy ice, but uh, everyone with us kind of knew the knew the sonic mission that we were on and and was was totally game to uh to just stop in their tracks and be quiet anytime something interesting happened sonically so that serac falling off was was pretty remarkable and made more so by the natural acoustic environment of this glacier tongue or or outlet as as they say there were very large rocky cliff walls on well, on one main side of us, so it it formed a, a a bit of an amphitheater with with the reverberations and and these uh, these cliffs of of rock were formed previously by the glacier by the glacier literally just pushing through the rock, uh, pushing through the mountains out toward the sea, uh, so we could see the lines in the rock where where the glacier had been in the past and where it's mm-hmm. since melted down from, but also those reflections uh, sounded really beautiful. We did some you know yelling and and clapping uh, to to hear the 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 natural echoes off of these rocks and you know listen listen to birds and other creatures that were uh, that were making making noises in, uh-huh. in the cavern what tell me about some of the other sounds that the glacier itself makes in terms of ice creaking or anything like that sure so one of the more notable stops on the trip was a glacial lagoon called Yokov Sarlon, uh, and I climbed down to the edge of this lagoon, and there were icebergs floating out in the middle of this water, and the glacier in in the distance on the other side of the water from where we were standing, and I put my microphone down into some of these icy hollows, just n- small, natural little. Um, I guess you could you could say caves that had that had formed and and had their own weirdly reflective little little environments. So there was um, there was all sorts of gurgling and creaking and squeaking that that ice does, you know, as it's mm-hmm. uh, melting in the sunlight and then freezing again as as the sun goes behind clouds or <sighs> or, or or sets for the day. So there were lots of lots of fun things to to listen to and play with there. Mm. The method that you used for capturing these sounds, was there anything especially notable about that that we should know about? I mean, was it recording? Would you use the term recording? Or is there some difference with the term capturing? Was it like binaural sounds? Or how, how did that work? I used the terms recording and capturing interchangeably. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so... I used a surround microphone, a 5.1 surround sound microphone, meaning there are actually six capsules in this one 
microphone, uh, left, center, right, left surround, right surround, and a sub, a low frequency capsule. So six channels of audio, uh, which is pretty wonderful to have in, in, in one package that enabled me to hear things from, from all sides. And uh, if something exciting happened that was behind my head or this, this sure. uh, thunderous Serac cleaving off the cliff, for example, I didn't have to, uh, I didn't have to, to move the microphone a lot. I could sort of just stop what I was doing and, and leave it set in, in uh-huh. one place. Sure. Um, but it also allowed for really interesting imaging in terms of the, 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 the panning spectrum of things. Like I would set the microphone down on a stand and I would slide pieces of ice across a, a frozen pond, for example, right underneath the microphone and get this, this sweeping image of, of the ice, you know, sliding, sliding mm. by your head. So it, it's not a, a binaural microphone, but it, uh, it, it does have uh, a lot of flexibilities and, sure. and, and capabilities. Sure. This is a quick break to thank today's sponsor, Song Trust. SongTrust is the world's largest global royalty collection service. It helps artists both know and access the royalties they're owed, allowing you, the artist, to focus on creating and producing, not administrating. SongTrust represents over 350,000 songwriters, including both Grammy winners and -and up-and-coming songwriters. Did you know there is an estimated $250 million dollars in unclaimed royalties. You can register your songs quickly in one place. Song Trust will then collect what you're owed from over 50 global pay sources. Song Trust is currently offering my listeners 20% off their registration fee. Just use the code ENHANCELIFE20 at checkout. Check them out at songtrust.com. While you're there, you'll see another reason I'm a huge fan. They offer a ton of free educational resources, including virtual workshops, a blog, and the modern guide to music publishing. Tell us what you did with these sounds when you got back to your studio. Tell us how you attached them to your drum set and how you combined them to make this musical tribute to the glaciers. Right, yeah. So the whole second phase of this this project was was taking the sounds that we recorded naturally, as you said, and, and translating them into something musical. And the way that I did that first, it's quite a tedious process uh to to go through and chop everything up and pick you know the favorite favorite moments of of the whole trip and start to start to gather them by by category and and all that yeah when you describe as you're describing that process i keep thinking that it reminds me of going through photos you know like say personal photos like okay what photos did we take as a family in january february you know and it's interesting because you've used that comparison before where you kind of compare the sounds to like a snapshot of a moment in time and how Mm -hmm. the glacier may not sound like this again so i just had to quick stick that in there because as you're talking i'm like man it just sounds like photos (laughs) (laughs) photos <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah the the digital organization side of this whole process is uh not the sexiest necessarily but uh very important <laughs> when i have 500 individual sounds that that came out of the trip that i delivered to to splice as part of this sample pack i started to pick um which were some of the sounds that that i wanted to turn into a song to turn into a musical track and so using a tool called 
sensory percussion, uh, which is made by a company called Sunhouse. It's a pretty revolutionary tool. There are these sensors that uh, I can attach to to my drums and trigger these samples by playing the drums. Mm. And for each drum, there are actually ten different zones on that drum that can uh, where you can assign a unique sample or series oh, of samples wow. to each of those zones. So the rim, the side, the the center, the you know the the, the shell, those kinds of things. So it's a remarkably flexible and musical way of of taking these field recordings and and interpreting them and creating creating beats, creating melodies, even even out of them. So. <sighs> And you've made I, these sounds available to other people. Is that right? They're all available on Splice, yeah, uh, which is a fun part of this, that uh, I recorded them and made a piece of music out of them, and now they are, they're available for, for anyone, any Splice user, to, to download and stretch and pitch up, pitch down, and manipulate, use however they see fit. I've actually gotten some fun emails and messages from folks all over the world. Most recently, uh, someone in, in St. Petersburg sent me uh, a song that they had made using a couple of the the like chordal pad and, and drum loops from the Iceland trip. This is, you know, a year after the fact. So that's very cool. Sure. It Was there one specific kind of crowning glory composition that you put together as sort of the tribute to glaciers? Or is this just a, a combination of many, many projects where you're using all these found sounds to bring attention to the glaciers? Well, it's really just this this one trip and this one project is focused on on glaciers and, and the, the scope of of my work. So there's the 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 one piece of music that I sent you that I think we might hear or yeah. the listeners might hear that that is the uh, the culmination of, okay. of this particular week one week that I that I spent in in Iceland in 2020 and it it's I think it occupies a a disproportionately large slice of my 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 brain and my thoughts these days still just uh-huh. this one this one week and it's launched a, a, a number of other ideas that I've been developing as a result of how uh, how much fun I had on this trip and how humbling it was to to be on the glaciers and and based on other folks responses to to the music and to the sounds I'm in the middle of some other environmental projects now that are not glacier specific but mm-hmm. are along you know similar similar lines yeah tell us a little bit about some of the attention that has been drawn to this project and how it's been used as a vehicle to address climate change sure well for me climate change is uh, they're an overwhelming series of problems of course you know we're releasing these greenhouse gases into the atmosphere that are trapping heat and causing all of these all of these issues and causing the the glaciers to melt faster than they ever have before and i have been trying to think of ways to to make that problem and series of problems less overwhelming and music is my natural response it's it's my favorite language so to speak and uh this is a way to to address that or or to just start thinking about it really uh on my terms from my perspective so i mean now i'm the next thing some of the next projects i'm thinking about are biking across the country and raising money for the national resource defense council for example uh that's when the pandemic is is over and it's mm-hmm. it's uh, safer to to travel but kind of thinking of uh, of of things like 
things like that manage <laughs> ways that that feel manageable for me to to at least talk about climate change and maybe raise some money to some of the folks who are uh, pursuing litigation and and public policy that that will help reduce our carbon emissions and greenhouse gases and and all of that. I love what you said at the beginning of that, where you said you're you're just looking for ways to make the problem less overwhelming. That's the first part I loved because I think so many of us feel like, boy, it is such an overwhelming situation, whether it's climate change or something else. And we feel like we can't, if, if we can't do something huge and world changing, we can't do anything. And that's just not the case. It's, it's all of us making, doing some, what we can with the tools that we have to make the problem less, less overwhelming is, is key. And I, the second part of what you said that I loved was your first response is to use music. And mm-hmm. I just love seeing music in action like that. And it is a language and it can be used for so many things beyond entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of, of music and of specifically the National Resource Defense Council, there's a quote on their website from Pete Seeger, which is, if there's a world here in a hundred years, it's going to be saved by tens of millions of little things, mm-hmm. which is helpful to me to to break any problem down into into smaller things, into, okay, what's what are the first couple of little steps here that, that we might be able to take? Absolutely. Love that. Tell us about some of the other environmental sources you've created music from and just your thoughts in general about the musicality of nature's sounds. Yeah, so this all kind of started for me. My interest in found sounds and, and sampling began shortly after college. I was working at a music studio in Brooklyn, in New York City, and I decided to do an experiment in which I recorded one sound for my environment every day for a year. And that could be something on my phone while I was biking to work, could be something in the studio that was a non-traditional instrument, you know, recorded with good microphones and preamps. Yeah, Ooh, um, I like that experiment. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was, it, it changed the way that I listen. And at the end of the, the year, I, I spent one day and I made a, a track, like a short piece of music uh-huh. using these sounds. Oh, um, that's awesome. Yeah. And uh, it, I wasn't able to use every one of the sounds from the year in the track, of course, but I, I picked some favorites at the end of it. And some of them were recorded beautifully and some of them were recorded poorly and it and it didn't matter. I, you know, I just uh, it just recalibrated the my attention when I'm when I'm out and about in in public in a city and in, in nature or, or or wherever uh just thinking that all right what's what's the sound going to be today all right it's going to mm-hmm. you know it's going to be this old freight elevator creaking and slamming mm-hmm. closed or whatever it may be so that was where that that interest began for me and uh a lot of what came out of that was inspired by by uh, people like the books Nick Samuto for example who are famous for for using weird found sounds and making a kind of collage music out of them or people like Steve Reich with it's going to rain wasn't was an early early inspiration for me thinking about the musicality of of speech and the psychoacoustical phenomenon of just being really drawn to finding melodies within something that is that is looping mm. it's incredible how quickly taking a short fragment of speech and looping it we we hear start to hear it as a as a musical phrase mm. uh, i love i love when that happens so 
those were, yeah, those were some of my, my early inspirations on that front. Oh, interesting. Well, I ask all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda, by sharing a song or a story about a moment that music enhanced your life. You referred a little bit to the song that you're going to be sharing with us. Tell us about this song. It's kind of the culmination of your, your project there with the glacier. Exactly. Yeah, this is the, the song that I made as soon as I got back to New York from Iceland. Uh, my mind was very f- much filled with with the, the the images from standing on the glacier and just being I think as I mentioned before humbled by it trying to capture that that sense of of awe to, to the best of my ability uh, to the extent that it that it can be um, represented musically uh, so yeah this is using almost exclusively sounds from the trip from the glacier itself and Obviously, there are vocals as well, using my voice and vocals from a dear friend of mine, Julia Easterlin, who sings the, the second verse of the song. Thank you so much to Charles for sharing this experience and musical tribute to glaciers with us today. 
You can download and use these ice and glacier sounds from Charles Sonic Exploration. They are on Splice's website. There is a link in the show notes, as well as lots of other links from our conversation, including the sensory percussion tool, the Icelandic tour company that Charles mentions, and of course, ways to learn more about Charles and his work. I am experimenting with an episode transcription service. You can view a transcription of this episode on the show notes. Today's show notes are at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast slash episode 91. I would love to hear from you. You can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at Enhanced Life Music. I'm also on Twitter at Music Enhances and LinkedIn. Thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing the show with your friends and family. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.